and welcome to Southern Fried Pop Culture. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly Lee. And I'm Mandy Kay. Each week, we are going to talk about our experiences of Southern culture through the lens of stories that are set in the South, feature Southern characters, or are Southern flavored in some way. On this show, our structure comes from our awesome theme song written by our friend, Josie Bentley. We'll talk about the movie in three different sections, Southern culture in general, the bless your heart or problematic moments, and the things we love that make us tickled pink. And this week, we are talking about the 2002 movie Sweet Home Alabama, starring Reese Witherspoon, Patrick Dempsey, and Josh Lucas. It was directed by Andy Tennant, no relation to David, and written by Douglas J. Ebach and C.J. Cox. Man, okay, David Tennant, I just have to shout out for Pop Culturally Deprived. Because y'all posted a gif of David Tennant in a miniskirt today and made my week. Oh, good. Good. I'm so glad. <laughs> Back to Sweet Home Alabama. Uh, the IMDb genre is romantic comedy, which I will concede. This is a romantic comedy. Okay. I think it is. It is. Absolutely. Okay. The tagline for Sweet Home Alabama is, sometimes what you're looking for is right where you left it. So for once, I agree with the genre label here. But I still think we got some mama drama going on. There is Southern mama drama in every Southern movie. Yeah, I think it's just kind of required. Absolutely. So, Mandy Kay, tell me about your experience of Southern culture as you saw it in Sweet Home Alabama. Well, I finally have something to talk about in this section. The last couple of weeks have been very light on Mandy in the Southern culture experience section. So this felt very familiar to me. I mean, I'm not from Alabama, but I am from a small, small town in North Carolina. So I am very familiar with phrases like, let's not let all the ball air out. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely something that's been yelled at me before. Shut the door because I'm not paying to air condition the outside. Uh, shut the door because I'm not paying to air condition the outside. Word for word. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Melanie's daddy had an old Ford truck that was the spitting image of my granddaddy's truck, apart from the color. They, I mean, they were different colors, but my granddaddy had one just like it. And it's still sitting in the yard at my grandma's house. He's, he's passed away four years now, four years ago now, and it's just still sitting there. And every time Aww. I see it, I'm just like, this is granddaddy's house. <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline Smith clothing at Kmart. Mm-hmm. That was high-end fashion when I was growing up. That was high-end fashion. I did my back-to-school shopping at Kmart mm-hmm. almost every year, except for one year when we had a huge splurge and we did our back-to-school shopping at JCPenney's. Yes, but ma'am. <laughs> Absolutely. It was always Kmart. Always. It was Kmart until Kmart started going under and then it switched to Walmart. Yeah, but I'm older than you. (laughs) (laughs) Not by much, but I do remember doing back to school shopping at Kmart a lot. And I remember wishing I was old enough to wear Jacqueline Smith clothes. (laughs) Yeah, that was me. That is adorable. And I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody tell me, don't sass me. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, we both know I am as sassy as they come. Yes, you are. And I love you for it. And those words were pretty much branded on my skin from birth. So I'm with you. (laughs) That's right. And then I think it was Bobby Ray who said it. He said, you know, us Southerners, the minute the Confederacy died, it became a memorial. Yeah, that was Bobby Ray. (laughs) Yeah. And 
that is the most succinct way to sum up the South that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Sweetie honey sugar baby, it don't matter how bad it was. Once it's over, we're going to paint the most romantic picture of it that you have ever, ever seen. Absolutely. And we're going to hold on to it with everything we got. <laughs> Until 2018 when they start pulling down the <laughs> statues. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a really interesting idea when we watch Gone with the Wind. I'm going to have to keep that in mind. Oh, good Lord. That's next week, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not ready for that, Kelly. I'm not ready. I don't know that I will ever be ready for that conversation. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Let, well, let's talk about this lighthearted rom-com this week. <laughs> so, Kelly, you tell me about your Southern culture experience when you were watching this. So, watching this movie made me so homesick. I miss Southern architecture and wraparound porches and high ceilings. And just, like, there is a look that comes with houses in the South, and I miss seeing them. And I miss jukeboxes and dive bars and the kinds of places where you would two-step, you know, as a group or just have that kind of music, Mm -hmm. you know, playing out somewhere. And I do miss that very, very much. And it definitely felt like home to me. I would have been perfectly at home in that town. Not in the fancy Carmichael plantation, but in (laughs) in the regular part of the town. And one of my aunts is totally addicted to QVC. Oh, yeah. So seeing it, I mean, totally, like every gift you get from her, Mm -hmm. it's going to be from QVC. Yeah. Everything she recommends, that's where it's going to be from. And that is on her TV 24-7. So seeing it in the background at Melanie's parents' house cracked me up. And then when Melanie came home, the first thing her mama does is criticize her appearance and then try to feed her and then tell her she looks tired and then passively aggressively comment on her hair. And I was like, check, 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 and check. Oh, that <laughs> felt very, very real to me. Um, but I did really like, and it did remind me of home. Even when Melanie was being horrible to everyone at the bar, they all pitched in to get her home safely and didn't let her drive drunk. Mm-hmm. And the first time I was pulled over, was for leaving a dive bar, driving someone home. I have this thing with like going on a date and then having to find an alternate way to get home. It happens a lot. But the guy (laughs) that I was with got very, very drunk playing pool and I wouldn't let him drive home. And so I was driving him home and I got him all the way to his neighborhood. And then he threw the beer bottle that he had insisted on carrying out the window and it hit a house and the house belonged to a sheriff and the sheriff pulled us over and I did not yet have a driver's license because oh I was gosh. only 15. So <laughs> that was my first experience getting in trouble with the law. But it felt very real. And I think I would have gotten along with Melanie's friends just fine. I think you would have gotten along with Melanie just fine. <laughs> I would have gotten along with Melanie after we had some talks. <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten along with her at the beginning. I would have gotten along with her well at the end. You would have gotten along with the Melanie before she moved to New York. Oh, Felony, Melanie and I would have been BFFs. Yes, absolutely. Yes, no question. <laughs> Melanie Smooter, <laughs> not Melanie Carmichael. Yes. yes. <laughs> we would have been good friends. But I did have a question for you. Okay. Because there is a huge stereotype about Southerners and water towers. But I have never climbed up one. I've never known anybody who's climbed up one. So what's up with that? Like train tracks, yes. Water towers, no. So is this something I'm missing? I don't think so. 
But to be fair, I had already moved out of the small town by the time I would have been of age to climb a water tower. So I don't know. That's not an experience I've ever had except for listening to songs. Okay. See, everybody in my family makes fun of me because when I was, I think I was 16, there was this country music song that came out called In John Deere Green. Joe Diffie. It was about, right? Exactly. So this guy writes... Billy Bob loves Charlene in letters three foot high in John Deere Green mm-hmm. on the water tower. Well, not being a typical Southern girl, I didn't pay attention to the fact that all the tractors are John Deere Green brand. Like it just didn't, I didn't understand. And so I thought John Deere Green was the name of the town, not the color of the paint. <laughs> and <laughs> I have never lived that down. People in my family still joke about that. If we see something that color, they'll be like, hey, Kelly, what color green is that? What town is it from? I'd be like, shut up. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If I had known that about you, I would never let you live that town either. Right? Exactly. Yeah, I've never lived that one down. But so I just don't get the water tower thing. But I have to assume maybe it's a Southern culture experience that I just didn't have. I feel like that has to be the case because it is so pervasive in in culture, like in pop culture. Yeah. It had to come from somewhere. I'm glad I'm not the only one. All right, baby. I want to hear you bless some hearts. Because I know you've got a lot to gush about. I have a ton to gush about. And I have not (laughs) nearly as much to bless as I did last week. (laughs) Or the week before. Let's get your blessings done. And then you can gush all you want to. All right. Melanie has not seen her parents in seven years. Mm -hmm. She is not a good Southern daughter yeah and i gotta know what is it with seven years because it had been seven years in the divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood oh that's interesting is it just is it just because it's the number seven which is some kind of like popular mystical number well yeah i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of magic to seven there's a a theory that i actually really like that we are completely remade every seven years so, like, the every cell in your body, every part mm-hmm. of you is remade every seven years, like a seven-year cycle. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that's why it gets tapped into so often in fiction. Maybe. I don't know. It just burns me up, though, because I cannot imagine going seven weeks without seeing my mama, let alone seven years. Like, I absolutely don't understand it. Now, I do understand that some of it was her parents' fault because she sent them tickets and they refused to come. Yeah. But seven years is a long time not to go home. I, yeah, I think she, that was a very intentional choice. It was. She, I don't think she was ever going home until she found out that she had to. Although, I don't actually think that was the case. I think she went home because she knew she still loved Jake and she didn't want to marry this other guy. But whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that wasn't a I'm done and I'm just not visiting. That was I'm I'm breaking from this. Right. Yeah. For good. It just you know. it frustrated me. That is not what good Southern daughters do. It's not what we're raised to do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. Mean, drunk Melanie was awful. Mm-hmm. Awful. I know you have this one in your section too, but I just, I can't. I had forgotten how bad it was until I watched it this time. Because I always gloss over it. I love this movie. I unapologetically, unabashedly love this movie. I'm glad. But this like two minute section in the middle just 
makes me cringe because she's just, she's mean to everybody just because they're from that town and they still live there because she's better than them because she left and she's letting it all hang out. And the worst part about it is, is that people are more honest when they're drunk because Mm -hmm. they've lost all of those inhibitions. And so that's not really great about Melanie. And then she outs Bobby Ray in front of everybody. And, oh, honey, it just, it hurt my heart. It made me want to reach through the screen and smack her around a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of Melanie's until after she got past all that crap and apologized to everybody. Yeah. She does apologize pretty well, though. Yeah, she did. So Jake, I love Jake. I adore Jake. But he had this one line at the end. He's he's talking to his mama because she's basically chastising him for letting Melanie go. And he says, I can't control her any more than I can control the weather. And my like instant reaction was to recoil and say WTF because the goal is to love her, to be her partner, not to control her. Yeah, and that's interesting because normally that's the kind of line that would have me yelling back at my television. Uh But I thought he meant, and maybe I'm giving him too much credit because I do like Jake. I thought he meant that he couldn't control her feelings, not that he wanted to actually control her. And like he doesn't push himself on her. He doesn't try to talk her into leaving Andrew. He even resisted her when she came to him Mm -hmm. while she was still engaged. And, like, I think she made her choice, and Jake would have lived with it, even if she had gone through with the wedding. But I think when he said, I can't control her, he meant, I can't make her love me. But I think the problem was that Jake wasn't willing to fight, and Melanie needed someone who would fight for her. And, like, he was fighting in his own way, Mm -hmm. but she didn't know it. Right, right. Because she didn't know all the things he had been doing in the last few years. But I was glad you drew attention to that line because I was like, oh, that should have pissed me off. <laughs> and I totally didn't read it that way. No, I like your perspective. It makes me feel better about it, actually, because it seemed out of character for him to say that. Right. So maybe I'm just taking it too literally, and that's not what I was supposed to get from it. Well, I mean, I think just the fact that we would be okay with a man saying it in any form is probably not a good thing. I just read it as. I can't control how she feels, right. but I, I don't know that I would have expected him to articulate that, but I do have a history of giving good looking Southern men too much of the benefit of the doubt here. So <laughs> we'll go with your interpretation. All right. All right. <laughs> but still, I mean, one bad line over the course of a two hour movie, he's not doing too bad. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's talk about Murphy Brown. <laughs> Andrew's mother. Uh-huh. Oh, My God, I just, I can't, I can't. She was the most condescending, horrible person that I think we have seen in any of these movies that we have watched. Wow. Let me be more specific. I think she's the most condescending towards Southerners. Oh, okay. That we've ever met. I mean, we've done a lot of movies. We've we've talked a lot about Southern culture. We've had some really awful people that we've talked about. But usually those awful people have also been Southern. And so we haven't seen a lot of non-Southern characters being high Mm -hmm. and mighty and condescending towards 
the Southern characters. We often feel that the Southern characters have been portrayed badly and they're being condescended by the filmmaker or the screenwriter. Or each other. Or each other. one's a man and one's a woman. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But this particular character, Kate, Caitlin, Kate, I think. Kate. Was it Kate? Kate. She couldn't even say the name of the town without stumbling and elongating it. I'm sorry. It's Greenville, Alabama. It's not Greenville. (laughs) No, I am not here for that. Yeah, Greenville's not hard to say. It is not hard to say. And every state south of the Mason-Dixon has a Greenville in it. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them. So let's figure out how to say it right and just let it go. And then she even was condescending about Melanie calling him daddy, which we've already talked about that on this show. Like, I have problems with that because my dad is daddy. As are most Southern women. Yes. And even making fun of his... Okay, not his actual business because she's reading the article of, of <laughs> Melanie's fake family. But he, he made his money in cotton, which apparently isn't good enough for Miss Mayor of New York City. Like, he has money, but because he got it in cotton, it's not good enough for her. What? I was just frustrated with her. Yeah, okay. I didn't, I didn't quite read it that way. I guess because she was so over the top. <laughs> And like the the dynamic between her and Andrew was so, I mean, come on, man. Come on. Well, there are other ways to rebel. Like, dude, really? But yeah, she was, I think she was portrayed as, I'm only interested in how things look. I'm only interested in the, you know, the photo opportunity or how people might take this in the media that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Everything was a political decision to her. Everything was a political choice. But there was still something about a woman holding the position that she held that still made me, like, not immediately hate her. Though I would want to sit her down and have a, let's talk about perspective and prejudice and privilege conversation with her. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that they characterized that a little bit too much. To just be dismissive of everything that she ran into. Like when she slapped away the mosquito and Melanie's dad said, you just killed the state bird of Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that was a funny joke. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but she was so out of her element and there was sort of this implied everything in the South is is shabby and not, you know, not something that she would want associated with her family mm-hmm. and yeah. And unfortunately, I don't think it came as much as a surprise to me that she felt that way because I've run into it so often. Yeah. I think I think that's a fair assessment, but it doesn't make me any less unhappy about no, it. Oh, honey, bless her heart. Bless <laughs> it right. <laughs> yeah, and then just the last thing is I I'm not sure if I love or hate the fact that Melanie's mama insisted on pushing her on Andrew. Even after she knew that Melanie was having second thoughts, that she still had feelings for Jake, she wanted so badly for Melanie to pick Andrew because he had money and it was in New York. It was away from where she grew up and where she came from. It was something different. And so part of me feels like, okay, great. She's doing this because she really does want something better for her daughter. Mm -hmm. 
But at the same time, she knows that's not going to make her happy. She knows that what's going to make her happy is here. And and so I, I'm struggling with that, and I don't really know what side of the fence I fall on. The problem with it for me is twofold. One is, how are you defining better? There's nothing wrong with living in a small southern town. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And the other thing is the danger of pushing your own dreams and disappointments on your children, Mm -hmm. which I think is where our southern mama drama most often comes into play. (laughs) Yes, it does. And so she's losing sight of what Melanie actually wants because she's she still has that part of her that didn't get what she wanted. And I think that that happens so much. But I don't know that marrying someone with political ties and money and living in a big city, like what makes that inherently better than being happy and connected to a community and living in a small town? Like one of those things is not necessarily better than the other. But the movie seemed to present it as if it was. And so like the whole argument to me was flawed. Okay. I think I can feel a little bit differently about that just because the grass is always greener on the other side, you know? And so Mm -hmm. her mama has always lived in this single wide trailer in a small Southern town. You know, she made those choices to marry and have a child and stay in that life. And so she wants her daughter to have the opportunity to do something different and to do something that she perceives as glamorous. I guess I could see that had Melanie not already made some of those choices. But she's been a fashion designer on her own in New York City for seven years. She is grown. Right. So, like, she has the ability to choose what is going to make her happy. So I think at a certain point, as a parent, it's your job to stop dreaming for your child and support what it is that they actually want. Melanie's not 18 Mm -hmm. here. You know, she she has experience out in the world. And I just got the sense of like what her mother wanted being more important than what she wanted. Yeah. Well, her mom did finally get on board. Yeah. All right. I am all ranted out. Mm. I love this movie. Right. Have I mentioned that? I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so glad that we watched a movie that made you happy because I love listening to you gush. All right. So let's let, let it out, Kelly. Just, just hit right. me with it. I hate admitting this because, y'all, I am getting old. But I'm a mom, and I am the farthest thing from a prude. But I was uncomfortable watching that opening scene with children that young kissing. Like, the mother in me was going, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, we're not old enough for that yet. (laughs) They were exceptionally young. They were, like, ten. That little girl looked like she was, like, eight. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm just, like, "Uh uh-uh. I just said, nope, too young. We should have rounded that up a couple years. I just... I don't know. It was just me. All right. And then I know you're going to gush a little while about the proposal or like grand romantic gestures. Mm -hmm. But if someone surprised me at Tiffany's and had not picked out a ring with meaning that they already knew I would love on the way to a fundraiser with their mother, I would be so mad. We would not make it to the proposal question (laughs) because there would be a fight. Okay. Like, That was ridiculous. And how many people does it take to sell a ring? A dozen people had to work late because one rich guy wanted to make a big gesture. 
Hell no. No. I mean, Andrew, your privilege is showing, honey. You need to see to that. Oh, I'm sure they were well compensated for that. I was not impressed. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It just pissed me off. And it felt to me like the only reason he proposed was to make his mama mad in the first place. We're going to go to Ireland for Christmas because this is going to drive my mother crazy. Or like... Just, he got so much enjoyment Mm -hmm. out of breaking the news to his mom, and, like, it felt a whole lot more about his mama issues than it did actually about Melanie. Okay, I I can see that, but honestly, I felt like the mama stuff was just icing on the cake for him. Icing on the wedding cake? (laughs) Yes. I do believe he 100% loved Melanie and that he really wanted to marry her and that he was trying to break free from his mother. Mm-hmm. And and so I felt like the sticking it to her was just kind of the bonus of doing the things that he already wanted to do. But maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he is also McDreamy. Oh, and again, that's in your happy section and my bless your heart. I know. But I did believe he loved her when we got to the end. Okay. So I will I will give credit on that. But mean Melanie started way before she started drinking. So she gets in her car. She drives to Alabama. She hasn't been there for seven years. She goes to Jake's house, who has not seen her for seven years. She doesn't call first, tell him she's coming, give him a heads up, nothing. And the first thing she says is, well, for starters, you can get your stubborn ass down here and give me a divorce. And I was like, girl, that was mean. You know, she shows up out of the blue. She calls him stupid and dirty and flaunts the cost of her lawyer and calls him a dumb, stubborn, redneck hick. And he's just like having his regular day. He didn't know, you know, Hurricane Melanie was blowing into town. So I just thought that was not, that just wasn't good. I didn't like her. To be fair, he's the one who has refused to sign the divorce papers for almost seven years. Yeah, but then at the end we found out so has she. She didn't refuse to sign it for seven years. Okay. She just accidentally forgot to sign it. And that worked out in her favor. So Yeah, it did. I wonder when the last time she asked him was. I don't know. I just thought it was harsh. And, you know, and you can ask somebody to sign a divorce papers without calling them stupid. You can. So I didn't like that part. And then, of course, when she was at the bar, you know, she told everybody about Jake getting her pregnant. And she outed Bobby Ray. I did not like her a single bit until after all that business was done. And Bobby Ray, to me, was the real hero of the story. Because he still had to live there when Hurricane Melanie went back to New York. Yeah. And I think he handled that with such grace and kindness. And he was so good to her afterwards. And Bobby Ray was like my favorite part. I think Jake had his moments, but I think Bobby Ray was Bobby Ray's where my heart was. Okay. Also, Kate's assistant showing up as a fake journalist being so pushy about coming into the Carmichael plantation. No one has the right to just show up and go into her house, especially the house. She's just pretending is her house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It seemed like one hell of a coincidence that she just happened to be there when he showed up. And then we had the same coincidence of Jake and Andrew both showing up at the Carmichael plantation at the same, at the same time. So I'm like, all right, we've got a lot of coincidences going on here. Well, it is a movie. Yeah, I know. And you've got to have drama. Well, I like my drama without so much coincidence, I reckon. But 
Then kind of the last thing was Melanie calling Jake while she's making all the wedding plans to Andrew. Because, I mean, come on. Life is too short to walk away from real love. If you find it, choose it fiercely. Don't come to the edge and dance away. And I was so frustrated with Melanie once she realized that she still loved Jake. So then I was thrilled when she went to him in that storm. And now I can get tickle pink. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But I'm going to let you go first because I want to hear you gush. Well, I'm just going to gush about the whole damn thing, Kelly. I loved it (laughs) from beginning to end. Just everything, except for Mean Melanie. I didn't like Mean Melanie, but, you know. I love that this movie is Mm self-aware. I love, so Jake basically tells Melanie to shut up. And he flat out says, just because I talk slow doesn't mean I'm stupid. Yeah. And I love it when when movies do this. I've seen, um, there's a Keanu Reeves movie called A Walk in the Clouds. Oh, and yeah. oh God, I love that movie. I have very romantic memories of that movie, but I haven't seen it in a long time. Well, I always get caught up in there's this one moment. So so in that movie, Keanu Reeves has fallen in love with an, an Italian girl and he is at her family's vineyard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I don't remember what transpired to all of this, but her father is talking to Keanu's character and he says, just because I speak with an accent doesn't mean I think with one. Mm. And that line has always stuck with me. And so hearing Jake say something this deep and this meaningful and powerful, and it's so self-aware in this movie just made me love it so much. Because it is, it's 100% true. There is this huge stereotype that Southerners do talk slow, and you and I have talked about it. Mm-hmm. And we do sometimes talk slow. We move slow. When mm-hmm. I get riled up and get real Southern and sassy, I do tend to talk faster, but I'm an anomaly. Uh, I do that too, but then I'm going to slow back down. Right. So I just, I love that it called attention to itself that way. It made me happy. I really loved Andrew. Andrew is a good man. I couldn't find a single flaw about him, to be honest. I know you don't like the proposal, but I don't. He loves her. He loves her career. He called yeah. her just to tell her about the review. I did like that. You know, he he put her first and he only left her when he realized that the Melanie that he knew did not actually exist. And that would be devastating to anybody. Like, I don't blame him him at all for leaving. And I love him so much for coming back. Yeah, me too. I don't blame him at all for leaving because, I mean, she's been lying to him. Right. You know, and then he came back. He came back without ultimatum. He came back without any kind of threat. He just came back and accepted everything for what it was and then at the very end when she stopped the wedding and he you know kissed her hand and walked away and I was like okay this is a man who really loves her and he's a good guy yeah and then when they showed in the clips at the end he had married like one of the Vanderbilt girls I just laughed so hard Mm -hmm. I was like I am glad Andrew found his match (laughs) yeah no that was really really good um so I'm glad they both ended up happy in the end Mm mm-hmm My favorite quote from this movie was Jake telling Melanie that she can have it all. He says, you can have roots and wings. That kind of made my little heart melt just a little bit. Yeah. I had a hard time with this movie because 
with Melanie having to choose between Andrew and Jake, like they're both so good. Of course I'm rooting for Jake. Of course I am mm-hmm. because it's who the movie wants us to root for. And I have a thing for Southern accents. I'm Southern. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. I want a good old Southern boy. Mm-hmm. You know, but Andrew was so good. This wasn't one of those cases where there is a clear choice because one is your true love and the other person is treating you horribly. You know, right. they were both really good men and you don't often see that kind of setup. Usually you have two choices, but one of them is just so clearly wrong for X, Y, and Z. They make you feel bad about yourself or, you know, something, even though they look good on paper. And mm-hmm. we didn't have that here. It was just two really good men that Melanie had to choose between. I'm so glad she picked Jake, though. <laughs> Let me tell you, I completely forgot that Ethan Embry was in this. And when he showed up on my screen, I literally squealed in delight. Oh, yeah? I adore Ethan Embry. I have loved him since he starred in Can't Hardly Wait. I haven't seen that. It's a 90s teen high school movie. It's fantastic. I love it. Seth Green is in it, by the way. Oh, okay. In the most annoying character he's ever played in his entire life. But he's in it. I'm trying to think if I've seen him in anything else, because I don't think I have. Oh, no, I take it back. I think he was in Once Upon a Time. Oh, you mean Ethan Embry? Yeah. I think he did. I think he played um, Greg. He did. Yep. You are absolutely right. He did. Yeah. But I think that's the only other thing that I know him from. Oh, he was also in Empire Records. Oh, I haven't seen that. (gasps) Kelly. Nope. Or if I have, it's been a long, 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 long time. Okay. That sounds like a movie I watched as a teenager, but I don't remember it. We are going to fix that, and we are going to fix that very soon. <laughs> and I need the listeners to join in and help me nag Kelly, because we have to watch okay. Empire Records. It's okay. not really appropriate for this show, but we have to watch it anyway. Yeah. Okay. We will watch it anyway. Yes. But yeah, he was fantastic. I loved everything about him. I loved him telling stories about Melanie. I loved his his reaction to her being mean. Mm-hmm. I loved the way he forgave her. I love the way that he just jumped in and, and helped her lie. I loved it. I loved it all. Like, he was there yeah. for her. Even yeah. though she'd been gone for seven years, he still treated her like the best friend that she was when they were there. And then he looked at her and he's like, well, aren't you a dirty, dirty liar? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yep, that's a good friend right there. Yep, yep. He was fantastic. And then at the end, at the end, Melanie finally has enough and she punches Kate right in the face (laughs) because she says something to her mama. I can't remember what it was right this minute. Why don't you go back to your double wide and fry something? Oh, that is exactly what she said. And if somebody talked to my mama like that, she'd end up on the ground too. Yes, absolutely. It was wonderful. It's wonderful. Melanie had some really great character growth in this. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a fan of violence, but you don't yell at someone's mother. Yep. Especially like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not like that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop gushing. going to let you have the floor because you do have a few things to gush about, too. I do. I had a lot, actually. I just I love that we watched a movie that made you so happy. It did. I love this movie. I really liked um, and I feel bad. I don't know her friend's name. But she was like a supermodel, you know, and she just kind of like rolled with the punches. Mm-hmm. She she wasn't judgmental about anything in the South. She she figured out the minute that they saw Jake, mm-hmm. like she knew what was going down. 
She was very insightful and I really liked her. And when they were talking about Melanie getting engaged and she said, did you cry? And Mel said, wouldn't you? And her friend said, one man for the rest of my life, I'd bawl my bloody eyes out. <laughs> yep, that's my kind of girl. We would be friends. Yep. Uh, so I really liked her. And I really, really, really liked Josh Lucas. Yes. Because one of my favorite movies of all times is Secondhand Lions. And he plays the grown-up Walter in that movie. I have not seen it. Oh, Mandy Kay. Okay, we have to watch that. It is so fantastic. I don't have words to tell you how fantastic that movie is. All right. I'll watch that one when you watch Empire Records. Okay, deal. All right. We'll have to do a double feature of Southern Fried Pop Culture. That ain't Southern. It'll be great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I I love that movie so much that some of that love just automatically carried over to him in this. Okay. And this is the only other thing I think I've seen him in. So. Yeah, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I don't think I have either. But God, did I love Bobby Ray. Yes. Bobby Ray was just, he made the movie for me. Mm -hmm. He was so fantastic. And I really liked this this contrast between Melanie and Jake talking about like what they had discovered when they were young. And Jake said, nobody finds a soulmate when they're 10 years old. And at the same sort of time, Melanie's like, most people don't know that lightning does that to sand. And so this movie, I think the reason that I love it is the idea of love or soulmates, which I don't really like exactly, but just, just this idea of being destined to be with someone being tied up with lightning. It delighted me so much. I can't even articulate it. So even though a lot of the stuff got on my nerves, it doesn't matter. I will watch it again mm -hmm. because lightning does do that to sand and love does do that to our lives. And so I will go back to this movie and bless all the hearts and keep watching it. Okay. <laughs> Just because of that. All right. And, um, and I did like when, they were at the bar and Melanie was being so awful and she's sort of yelling at Jake about his friends and Bobby Ray corrected her and said, Mel, we were your friends too. And, and so I like that. And then he had one of my favorite lines that I quote all the time, which is you can take the girl out of the honky tonk, but you can't take the honky tonk out of the girl. <laughs> Cause truer words have never been spoken. That does not surprise me that you quote that. <laughs> I quote it all the time. And when Melanie tells her mama, people need a passport to come down here, I quote that all the time. Okay. Absolutely. But the dancing also saves this movie for me because hell, yes, give me a parking lot on a southern night, a temporary stage, string lights, a cover band, and let me dance with everybody. Okay. That is fun. All right. To me. <laughs> And then Jake had this line. He said, I see those big thunderheads rolling in and it's like a religion. And that was when I fell in love with Jake. Of course it is. Like, I couldn't help it. A Southern man being poetic like that? That's got you all over it. Being poetic about thunderstorms? Yep. Yeah, I was a goner. And then when Jake was telling Andrew about young Melanie, you know, and Andrew said, that's quite a story. And Jake said, she was quite a girl. And you just the love in his voice, you know, it was just so evident mm -hmm. of how much he loved her. And then I really liked when they got to the wedding and the lawyer, bless his heart, he tried so oh, hard. He did. Like, that was the most dedicated attorney I have ever seen. He is like crashing in to try to get Melanie to sign these papers. And the only person who has a pen is Stella. Mm -hmm. And I thought that there was something poetic about that. Oh, definitely. 
these things don't just happen, you know, and she gives Melanie that pen and I liked it. Let's talk for a second, though, that Stella was played by Jean Smart. Yes. Oh, And my I wish God. we had more of her. She was so great. Jean Smart running a bar. It's the I best thing ever. That town. Yeah, I might live there just for that. Right. Yeah. Okay. She was great. <laughs> but then I, it's the ending of this movie that makes me love it because the rain breaks over the wedding and then there's that huge storm and Melanie and Jake are on the beach and then you have the reception afterwards at the bar and the fighting robots on top of the wedding cake and she you know she walks into this lightning thunder rain on the beach and just says hey cowboy you owe me a dance and I can't help it I just love it Mm -hmm. like (laughs) that's gonna get me every single time so there was enough of that kind of magic and poetic dialogue that it did make me all gushy good I'm so glad So did you have anything else that did not fit into our major buckets? Can you please tell me what a bologna cake is? I have no earthly idea. I've never heard of it. Because Melanie's mama was going to get the bologna cake out of the icebox. I don't know what that is. I have no clue. And it sounds very scary. It sounds disgusting. I know what bologna loaf is, and it is disgusting. But I don't know what a bologna cake is. Okay. Never heard of it. Okay. So watching this, this time... I just realized for the first time that Jake changes his mind about signing the papers after he's told her he will, Mm -hmm. and then he gives them back to her not signed, that it's because she got sentimental about the glass, and he realizes that there might actually still be a chance since he did the glass for her. Like, he wanted to make something of himself, and the glass was the way that he did that. I have seen this movie dozens of times, and I never, ever picked up on that. See, I actually thought it was the moment before that. I think he changed his mind because she hesitated first. She hands him the pen and then she pulls the pen back before she gets up and touches the glass. Because she says, wait, and she asks him about what he's doing with all that money and why he quit his job. And then she sees the glass. But she paused first. And I think that Jake saw that. And then he saw her, you know, being drawn back to the glass. And then he was like, nope. Oh, and plus, I got a date. I got to go. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I don't know, because I felt weirded out about her asking him about the money, because that just kind of felt like, wait, you can't sign this until you tell me why you've got all this money. Right. But the only reason she was doing that is because she's really concerned about him. Right. Like, it's it's not about the money. It's, okay, there's stuff going on with him that I don't know about. And okay. I think that that was already working on her before she realized it was. Mm-hmm. Because she expected everything to be exactly the same as it was when she left it. Mm-hmm. And Jake's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's true. but, and, and she loves him. Like she, she can pretend all she wants, but she loves him. And if something like that is going on, you're going to demand to know, you're not going to get a signature and walk out. Right. But I think she really pulled that pen back. She didn't want him to sign those papers. Right. I don't think she ever did. Well, obviously not since she herself did not sign the papers. I know. Right. <laughs> People, if you want to get a divorce, sign your documentation. Right? No lawyer needs to go crash a wedding. (laughs) I mean, he was trying to keep her from being Felony Melanie again. (laughs) Just say it. All right. Melanie's mama made uh, another comment that I just, I've never heard in my whole life. And I didn't know if it was something you've heard before. When Andrew comes back to apologize, she says, if I'd known company was coming, I would have put on the dog. 
I've never heard that phrase except in this movie. What does that even mean? So I looked it up. Oh, okay. And it's it's it means like putting on your fancy clothes, getting dressed up. Huh. And it's like an English comes from English royalty and courts. And unfortunately, I think they used to make fancy clothes out of dog skin. And when I read that, I quit reading the etymology because I didn't want to know anymore. But I've never heard a Southern person say that my whole life. No. Okay, so it's not just me. I thought... I've never heard it. I thought I was just being, like, a failure at being Southern. Nope. Okay, cool. I never, I never heard it. All right, I think that covers all of my other stuff. I mean, there's other stuff I could gush about, but I kind of didn't want this to be a four-hour podcast, so... (laughs) I like you gushing. (laughs) What else uh, did you want to talk about? So I didn't put this in Bless Your Heart, but I was severely disappointed with the music in this movie because with a movie named Sweet Home Alabama and all the amazing Southern rock in the world, I expected better. So they really dropped the ball on the soundtrack and I was very sad. They did, but I think they just wanted Sweet Home Alabama to be the song. Yeah, they well, wanted it, it to stand like out and let everything else just <laughs> no, kind of no, fall no, around no, it. No, 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 no. Okay, right. no. There, this was this was a chance to showcase southern music in its finest form. And I'm sorry, but CCR is not even on the soundtrack, so there's no coming back from that. Okay, <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. It just broke my heart. Right. Um, it made me very sad. I didn't like it at all, and I don't like. Grand romantic gestures, right? Mm-hmm. But Jake's years of work and the artistry that he put into that and the focus of that design being his love for Melanie, that struck me as real and it was very, very moving because making that glass was part of who Jake was and he was giving that part of himself to Melanie like in his very quiet way. And when I read it like that, I thought, okay, she's a storm. He's the calm to her storm. And it struck me as very beautiful. But we never actually saw him at work. We didn't actually get to see him shaping the glass. And so I wanted to see less of Bar Jake and more of like the craftsman under the flannel, Mm -hmm. you know. But their shared creativity, you know, with both of them being artists and designers, it made me believe that they could be happy together. But it took me a long time to figure out that what I loved most is the storms, the rain and the lightning and the power of love infusing that glass and the magic in the sand. And that is so wonderful in this movie. And I almost wish that they had done more with it. Like you could have played up even a little bit more of magical realism in this. And it would have made me very happy. Okay. So then I had a question for you about what the movie means. All right. (laughs) Because I don't think it's about me sitting back and enjoying thunderstorms of poetry. Is it a movie about soulmates? Is it about love striking out of our control like lightning does and us being called to it, partnered by destiny? Or is it about home and integrating parts of ourselves so that we can find love and dig up the molten glass hidden in the sand? Does true love find us or do we find it? I think the answer is all of the above. Oh, that's good. I know that's not probably what you wanted. No, I like it. But I think I think that when you find true love, it is home. Home is not a place. Home is in your heart. Absolutely. And that's why I think it's all of the above. I think it wasn't Alabama. It wasn't Greenville, Alabama. That was where Melanie needed to go. Melanie needed to go where Jake was, which is why you can have roots and wings. 
Yeah. And they don't stay there. They go, but I mean, we see them in New York. Mm -hmm. We see them in different places, Mm -hmm. which I really liked because it wasn't just her giving up her life and coming back home. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say home, I don't mean a physical place at all. I was just trying to figure out what the movie meant. Like, are they saying these two people were soulmates and that's why they got back together, which is not particularly a theory that I like. Or was it just something else that I'm missing because the tagline, you know, says some, you know, whatever, what you're looking for is right where you left it, which implies going back home. But that's not really what happened. And I'm glad it didn't. Mm-hmm. But I was just trying to figure out what the movie was saying about soulmate. Well, I feel like the soulmate trope is the center of every rom-com ever. So okay. I think that's what they intended. But I think that's too simple. And I think that's too easy. And I think it's, it's more complicated than that. I think Melanie had a choice. She had love in two directions. She did love Andrew. She loved Jake. She just loved them differently. And I think she had to figure out what was right for her. I love the idea of love in two directions. Mm -hmm. You are so smart, Mandy. I try. Yeah, you do good. (laughs) So I'm glad that you enjoyed this so much. Oh, absolutely. I love it. And we've already, we've already talked about this, but remind our listeners what we are watching next. Oh, y'all strap in because we are watching Gone with the Wind next. <laughs> y'all strap in because we are watching Gone with the Wind is, needs to be a tagline. <laughs> oh, and God. We are going to watch it so you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I am so tempted to also read the book again. I don't know if I'm going to have time, but I sure am thinking about it. I have never read the book. I did watch the movie once. Once was enough, but we can't mm-hmm. do a Southern-themed pop culture show and not do Gone with oh, the Wind. Oh, see, that's interesting because I grew up on it. I probably watched it once a month. Oh, my goodness. Um, I can recite it. I mean, I, I, it played constantly in my house. And I read the book after I watched it for the first time, like in the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've I've read the book five or six times. I have probably seen Gone with the Wind 20, 30 times, but I haven't seen it in 20 years. So this is going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm curious if I'll feel differently about it than I did the one time I watched it. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I grew up with the idea of Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because it's so pervasive. In pop culture. And so I kind of grew up thinking that I knew what it was about. And then when I sat down to watch it, it was a different experience than I expected. Yeah. But now that I know that, I wonder if it'll be different this time. And maybe I'll come out of it and enjoy it more than I did the first time. I watched it over and over and over again, but not by choice. And I never actually liked it. Okay. So it's going to be really interesting to go back and watch it after all this time. Um, So that will be a fascinating discussion. Yeah. I'm especially looking forward to talking about Rhett Butler with you. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to bless a lot of hearts. I I think we might have to, but there might also be a teensy bit of swooning, maybe. Yeah. Well, okay. So I will admit I blame Gone with the Wind for a lot of my messed up romantic ideas. And I especially blame Rhett Butler for what I look for in a kisser. Mm-hmm. And that is his fault. Oh, yeah. And I will own that. But that has not changed after all those years. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is funny because I think in real life, Clark Gable is actually a terrible kisser. It's like one of the 
myths of this movie. And I like some of the history of the production of the movie more than the movie itself. So we'll talk about that All next right. time. But yeah, I do blame him for some of my very misguided romantic notions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, next week is going to be so much fun. And in the meantime, we want to hear from you. So if you would like to join the conversation on Twitter, use the hashtag SFPOP. Tell us about your experiences growing up in the South or if you gushed or blessed hearts watching Sweet Home Alabama. And go ahead and let us know what you think about Gone with the Wind while you're at it. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay, or you can send us an email at podcast at eloquentgushing.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Kelly Jones or on the Still Dead podcast with Lonnie Dianrich. And Southern Fried Pop Culture is funded by supporters just like you through our Patreon page. For exclusive content and more, please visit us at patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And unlike the Sweet Home Alabama soundtrack, ours is fantastic. So thank you, Jazzy Bentley, for our amazing show music. And thanks, y'all. Absolutely. You want to hear just what I think, but I don't walk around to go big. I've got a lot to say about today's modern art. There's stories and there's counterpoints, and I have got my unique voice. I'm a professor who says bless your little heart. Southern Fried Pop Culture is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, please visit eloquentgushing.com or visit us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.